0: Hi, Daryl. Um, here's my first question. You, you get to go diving a lot. You get underwater. I can't even imagine what it looks like. I'm not a great swimmer to start with. What does it look like
1: when you're way, way down there? And what's the deepest you've ever dived? Um, I mean, what does it look like? Well, it definitely. obviously, it depends on the territory. I mean, some places, close your eyes. That's what it looks like. Um, it's whatever light you bring with you. Um, but you know, the, the way I often put it is, I think it's as close as you can get to visiting another planet without leaving this one. I mean, it really truly feels like another world. I mean, I've been to, I've been to a lot of different environments and I'm very lucky. I mean, I've been to some amazing historical shipwrecks, uh, like Chuck Lagoon. I've done some caves, which are incredible and breathtaking. And even, you know, a shallow reef to me is, is like visiting another, another world. So it's, it's pretty magical in my experience. Nice. And
0: and does diving cross your professional life also, or like no. you, I know you, <laughs> I know you
1: shoot commercials and stuff like that? Yeah, no. So my my you know day job uh, I'm on the in the video technology world. I have a film and video background. I, I would describe diving more as uh, my escape at this point in in life. I've I've actually tried relatively hard to keep some separation.
2: Right. So I, I have a question that I wanted to ask. Like, what's down there? That's not up
1: here. Um, what's, I mean, a lot, but I, I mean, again, to me, it's, it's an escape. It's almost a, a fascination or a fixation. Um, what's down there. That's not up here. It's an entirely different universe. It's an entirely different reality. I guess that's what's down there is a reminder that, you know, sometimes I walk around in my daily life and I get so used to it that it's like an assumption. I'm like, this is the way the world is. Cause this is what I see all the time. And it's nice to remember. This is the way, a world is but this isn't the way the entire world is so to me what's down there is a reminder of holy crap there's a lot of different worlds out there let me go visit some of them
2: right 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 you said um you 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 mentioned um that sometimes you what you what it's like down there is close your your eyes are closed you know i've always uh, you know the compression of water the um, the idea of light, like piercing through water, like those gorgeous, you know, the, my, my extent of understanding what diving is like comes through film mm-hmm. and this kind of idea that you go through from this light surface and down to these dark depths, you know, you want to talk about how that transition happens, like physically, like what the impact of like on the body as well as mentally and well, maybe even spirit, would you say, would you consider it spiritual?
1: I, I would absolutely consider it spiritual. I mean, it's interesting because I don't think of myself as a religious person, generally speaking, and yet I feel like some of the most spiritual experiences I've ever had in my life are absolutely during diving, like the times that I felt small in like a really beautiful way that things are just greater than myself and amazing. Um, yeah, I mean, so as you, if you go outside what we call the light zone, you know, light pierces actually pretty far, but if you go deep enough or you go into what's called an overhead environment, you are now outside the light zone, which means... The only light there is the light you bring with you. So wow. we, we, we bring cool. our own lights so we can see what's going on. Um, there's definitely a physical impact. Uh, there's definitely a mental impact. Your mental skills slow down. You know, sometimes just to, when you're training and diving, they'll, they'll give you a little puzzle on the surface and they'll take you down and make you do the same puzzle again, just to prove to you, your mental capacities are diminished. Um, the drink it's not unlike being intoxicated and the deeper you go, the more that increases, there's different gases and ways to offset that. So, but absolutely your mental capacities, um, are, are decreased in, in some ways that's, uh, exciting. And in some ways that's, that's frightening.
0: Mm. Well, I'm sure. Hey, do you want to do the introduction? Hi there. We are Matt
2: Creative with Ed Letterman and Layden Lewis. And uh, today we are joined by Daryl Goldberg, who is in the video and directing uh production uh arena. I am sure I will completely edit that mm-hmm. or Ed will. And um so we are here talking about life lessons um with, with Daryl and la- la- uh, let Daryl explain what that means a little bit later on in the in the uh in the podcast. But uh, Daryl is a uh, a prof. Would you consider yourself a professional diver at this point?
1: I'm proudly not a professional. Diver. I'm an amateur. <laughs> okay. I'm, I, I I would consider myself a dive enthusiast, but I would not use the word professional.
2: What is the difference between a professional and an, enthusi- and an enthusiast? At, 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 as much as you've been diving,
1: I mean, to a professional is is making a living. It's it's getting got paid. It. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got yeah. It. Yeah.
0: You know, my my first job ever. Was the only full time job I've ever had was working at a color lab, and I used to do the printing for Al Giddings. Never heard of him. Yeah, I'm struggling to place him. Yeah, he was an amazing underwater photographer. You know, he shot the James Bond movies when they had underwater. But but he was an artist also, and that was incredible. And uh, that was my first and last
1: uh, endeavor in full time work. If he did the Bond movies. He he influenced me and a lot of divers. I mean, a lot super fun. Talk
2: about that. What do you mean? What, tell, tell tell us about that. What do you? T- I don't have any reference points for the Bond movies and diving. So talk about it.
1: Oh no, there's some. Um, I'm, i wanna, I'm, I want I want to say it's. I'm gonna mess this up. I want to get it right. Which one where? Uh, Bond has the. Bond has the little stick rebreather in his mouth. He puts this like pencil <laughs> in his mouth. He can breathe underwater. It's like the early oh, days perfect. of. Di- it's the early days of diving and there's like no equipment. There's just like a shirtless Sean Connor and he throws the tank on his back and he jumps in the water. Um, there's lots of fun stuff from a diving perspective in, in some of those early Bond movies where they just like, they cut the guy's uh, air tube and he drops dead in two seconds as, as if you couldn't hold your breath for two seconds. Um, but I, I didn't unpack it that much when I was a kid and I watched it all. And I was absolutely inspired by a lot of that stuff. Oh, nice. So when you're, you,
0: When you've been intoxicated going deep down, what's the deepest you've ever Uh, gone?
1: 183 feet is the deepest I've been. And how intoxicated did you get at 183 feet? Well, part of the challenge is you don't really know. It's sort of not unlike actual alcohol. You generally think you're more sober than you really are, Um, but they often say it's around, you know, a martini for every 33 feet, roughly speaking. So <laughs> mm-hmm. I
2: yeah. love that I'm four martinis in. I love it. Mm-hmm. You know,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah. I definitely find that I'm very giddy and, and happy. I've definitely had that experience having That's, a great time.
0: Oh, so in addition, like really? Oh, your- so, so it's mm-hmm. a, it's a good, it's a good high.
1: It's a a good high. I mean, it's I want to be like a little careful here because I don't want to there are people that do it just for the high, and I think that's actually very dangerous. So I don't want to oversell the intoxication factor. I don't want anyone going to 183 feet who doesn't know what they're doing. Um but it it is absolutely, yeah, you you feel it.
2: Right, right. The um uh so what what are you were you um like just talk about the surface for a second, you know, as a creative. You know, one of the things that I we talked about early, like you know, when we were getting ready to to have you on the show, is like, you know, creatively, we all take on different forms. You know, we we have we're, we have painters, we have other people, we have animation individuals. Um, I'm I'm an I'm in designer. I deal in the world of environments. So, and a lot of a lot of times we've you know, even during a a piece a ballet piece, they will try to you know reconcile this idea between like this underwater environment and things like that what attracted you to to break the surface and like you know just talk about like creatively from a creative perspective how does one go from the sand or the earth to the water like some more like you know like how is the poetry of that or was it just like i'm just going underneath i just want to be inside you know like what what it, how did how did you d- turn that into something you wanted to do? Like, or, or uh, how did you act on on, on maybe the passion of, of something you had seen?
1: Um, so I can remember I was a little kid, maybe like 12 or 13 years old, snorkeling in, in Florida. and there's a, there's a fairly famous statue in in Key Largo. Um, it's Christ of the Abyss. It's this underwater statue of Jesus. And I remember snorkeling around it and thinking, this is great. This is amazing. And as I was snorkeling around it, I saw divers pass below me. And I thought, I mean, this is good, but that's clearly way better. It was just very obvious to me. And then I saw, there was an IMAX movie I saw. Um, well, I think it was called The Living Seas. And Sting did the soundtrack. And that, it, like, blew my mind. Um, so I, I was really, and I we used to watch, like, you know, National Geographic and NOVA documentaries. I was really, really fascinated with the underwater world for a long time. And I had this idea in my head for a long time that I wanted to do it. And the frustration as I look back on it now is that I waited and I, I always knew I wanted to do it, but I thought like, I don't know what I was waiting for. Like I thought I was waiting, I was waiting for like someone to do it with me. Like I needed a partner or I needed the courage or the circumstances or the skies to open up and go, it's time. Um, and that never came. And I sort of woke up one day, you know, talking, I think I was listening to other inspiring friends who were doing exciting things. And I sort of had this like, what the fuck am i waiting for a moment you know and went to the dive shop and and signed up for a class that day but it always had been and it still is like a almost like a fixation to me like i really am fascinated with it how often do you go diving as much as i can um i mean i live in new york city currently which is honestly not the best location for diving it's it's seasonal here (laughs) but Um, I, I am moving uh, in part so that I can dive more frequently. That's a, a big motivator of why I would like to move. But uh, I don't want to move where where where's the good place mm-hmm. you're moving to that has more diving? Uh, I'm not 100 percent sure where I'm going to land, but my wife and I are going to try Southern California for a while. Oh, nice! Very nice. my time in California. Yeah, definitely yeah. better uh, beach access than I currently have.
2: Yeah, and are you are, do you do you do other things like? Uh, so wait a minute, let's just go back to what you said. You said you had, you you, you dropped a lot of little goodies there. Um, other people were doing things that seemed to be inspiring you, or they were like living their lives and like you got, got motivated and you said, I need to be one of those individuals who participates in their life. You know what I mean? Like that, 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 that's what I heard. I don't know if that was what you were getting at and, so like look, watching other people and seeing them you know kind of actualize was a way for you for you to take 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 action in your
1: own life yeah absolutely cuz i remember i again i remember watching these movies and there would be like these guys with like multiple tanks on had two tanks in the back and i'd be like in my head i was like oh i think these guys are amazing i can't do that and i was watching other friends in other areas have this moment of be like well why why not me actually i don't understand why not me and then I kind of had that moment for myself. I'm like, why can't I be the guy with two tanks? I mean, like, I know I got to train and work my way to get there. But if I train and work my way to get there, why not me? And that to me is inspiring for whatever the hell you want to do, <laughs> for whatever so, dance, paint, or whatever. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to move a little bit away from diving.
0: I sort of I read your bio there and online, and it said you do you're doing next level creativity or next generation
1: yeah Creativity. we call it, uh, so we call it I, i'm like as <laughs> old school as they get still surviving i know, you know? i see I, I see the uh the the celluloid film camera behind you it's a beauty Yes. Uh, um i but i started in celluloid too i have a, my last film that was actually on film came out in 2009 um so yeah no i have a film and tv background and now we, we call it next generation video so that means lots of different things but The video might be personalized. So you could actually literally get a video that says, hi, Ed, hi, Layden," and your video is tailored to you. Even if we're making millions of them, it's tailored to individual. The video could be interactive. So you could actually click on it. It's kind of like gamifying the experience. Um, The video can change in real time. Sometimes think of it almost as like a living animal based on the data that's coming in. So there's lots of things that are happening in the video space to evolve video technology. So the company I work for is is at the forefront of of a lot of that.
0: Oh, did you? Uh, what is the? Okay. Oh, sorry. Sorry. What does that creative process look like? Though, so what
1: is? Is it a creative process or not a creative process of look? Yeah, no. I mean, it's a creative process. I mean, so most of the clients are major brands, Fortune 500s. So generally speaking, uh, they come to us with some problem they want to solve. You know, um, you know, hey, we would like to reduce calls or increase sales, whatever it is. They have a goal. They have a pain point they're working towards. And then you you sort of work backwards from the problem of trying to make sure I can find the right tool for the job and how to use it so it's it's really afraid of problem solving, but you know in a it's video, so you still want it to be engaging and captivating and we're all in you know the attention marketplace, everyone's battling for everyone's attention. I'm on a podcast right now, so you'll soon be battling for people's attention <laughs> i'm 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 in that I'm in that battle as well professionally,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, I I know where we sort of come from is not solving the problem. It's sort mm -hmm. of interesting is that we're not trying to solve a problem. We just try to be what we want to do and, and just sort of find the love of it and just go, and which is how I've sort of done my career. Sometimes it's worked out. Sometimes it's not worked out well, you know, but my philosophy is like, how do you do something that you love and, and make that work as opposed to problems. So it's really interesting to hear your you know, different point of view on, create, on solving creative problems.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, I can come to this from both angles. Cause like in my day job, you're right. It's a, a job. And then in my personal life, you know, like I wrote a book and stuff that's very much more what you're talking about more for myself. So I, I do think, um, I do think they're both very, very creative, but kind of like the rules you have to play within are yeah. a little different um, you know, if I'm working for a major brand, they have their brand guidelines. I'm not going to change their logo and their colors, right? Like they, there's certain rules I gotta, I gotta play within versus if I'm doing it for myself. Um, there, there are no rules, but I do think, you know, to your point of, I I almost think doing things for hire gets a little bit of a bad rap and that you can bring more of yourself creatively to the table than I think people often think.
2: I would agree agree with you. I I, I would agree Mm -hmm. with you. I think that, um, you know, um, there is still every possibility that is not considered by the client, right? That that where where you you inject something. I mean, Ed, you experience that as well. I mean, you know, they say, oh, we want a picture of this facade from this angle, and you're like, well, you 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 told me this yesterday. But well, what if you take it from just the the, the opposite angle, right? And then and then yeah. something like a reflection of the building in another building versus taking the building itself. You know, that's that's the kind of business that we are in as creatives and we're tasked with in a lot of ways.
0: Right. Well, what happened the other day was, what was interesting was that I was in the park and they have an owl that has escaped from Central Park Zoo, Flacco. There were a hundred photographers out there. It, there was a million dollars worth of equipment, the longest lenses I've ever seen. And... Everybody's aimed at Flacco. I had never heard of Flacco, but now I know everything about Flacco. He he his he, escape from Central Park Zoo. He was he was taken at Central Park Zoo as a young owl, and now Owling? The, is that an owl? He's an owl. He, he's an owl. But yeah. So what happened was they didn't think he'd survive on his own, but he's been a great hunter, he'd been catching rats and mice all over Central Park, but. My point is everybody had their camera aimed in one direction. And my philosophy is everybody has their camera aimed in one direction. Go look the other way a little bit. Hmm. And so I looked the other way and I took these amazing. I, I was happy with them. I sent them to Leighton. Uh, yeah, pictures I, I of American Elms. Yeah, it's pictures of yeah. American Elms. I never I took the only picture I never took a picture of the outside except on my iPhone. But I took a picture of all the photographers going like that. And I took a picture of these amazing trees and I've been in the park a million times. I never had looked at these things. And the only reason I looked at them was because everybody had their camera aimed the other way. My philosophy is look the other way.
1: That's great. I love that.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, Um, Daryl, you know, I don't think, I think we have, you know, in our conversations from our, from, you know, just from being social, um, I did not know you went to film school or <laughs> I have no idea about this. You're talking about celluloid cameras now. I had no idea. Tell t- tell me a little bit about like where you're from and, 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 you know, forget about the, the, the work you do. Like you sure. as a creative from the beginning, I, I had no idea. Like talk, t- t- talk about it.
1: Yeah. Well, it's a little full circle. Cause I, so I went to NYU film. I started in 2000 and I wanted, believe it or not, at the time to make, Underwater documentaries. That was my dream. I'd like, again, I grew up on like National Geographic and Nova and love that stuff. And I got the film school and they are like, what do you want to do? And I was like, underwater documentaries. And they said, there's no class for that. Do something else. Like, that's just no, that's not a not a thing. Uh, so I wandered. I made music in my former life. I'd been in some bands. So I made some music videos because that was a way to get other people to pay for my film projects. I got some small indie labels and I did some music videos. Um, and then it was kind of trendy to hire music video directors to direct feature films so right. when i was t- 23 i got to make this little horror film called unholy um with adrian barbeau and nicholas brendan that's
2: um, fantastic yeah <laughs> adrian and I, and barbeau, I love I, her
1: yeah me too me too she makes fun of me in her book but i still love her um uh, absolutely love adrian and uh, yeah so i did that and i was like okay i directed a film i'm I'm set for life now, right? Like there's, it's nothing but up from here. Uh, That turned out to apparently not be accurate. And it took me a while to get the second feature film off the ground, which was a comedy called Made for Each Other. Uh, Patrick Warburton, Chris Masterson, George Segal are in it, who I love. Um, So yeah, no, I did the, and then I produced a bunch of indie features and I published a book on filmmaking, which Focal Press put out, which was the biggest film book publisher. Amazing. Yeah, so the book is called First Time Filmmaker Fuck Ups. I'm, hope I'm I hope I'm allowed to c- curse on this podcast. It's it's uh, one of the
2: tags that we've ticked was we've mm-hmm. with explicit language. Mm-hmm. Oh thank God. I think <laughs> so I've already no I think problem. I've
1: already cursed a few times. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, no, I did I did that and and while I was trying to make my own movies that I was very passionate about, I had to pay the rent. So I was doing commercials and I did what's called, you know, large format media for years, and I just kind of meandered into personalized video and next generation video it's sort of living at this marriage of where video meets technology is very interesting to me so uh you know it's like a lot of people's careers i think i didn't i didn't zero nothing was planned i fell into everything i did to to a large degree but i've been very lucky and i feel very grateful excellent um
2: Ed, you have any que- anything particular that that was triggered in your question your question for for Darren?
0: Um, you know I, what I found interesting that nothing was planned, which is really a, you know great way of dealing. I'm still interested in
1: just you said what was it like making a feature film? Yeah. Yes. I mean, feature, I mean, uh, what's it like making a feature film? Wow. It's a, it's a blast. It's amazing. And it's incredibly exhausting. I mean, I was making indie, maybe it's different when you have, you know, tens of millions of dollars, but when you're in the indie film world, holy, like you better be insanely passionate. And I was, so it was the time of my life, but if you're not insanely passionate, you're going to crash pretty hard.
0: Right, I, 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 me personally, I think that's with anything when you do it on your own and you do it. I mean, clearly, Layden and I had no road. I mean, and when you have to make it up, you if you're not passionate, if you're not really into this whole thing, you are just gonna like you know. And and then you learn how to be bold. I mean, my issue early on was I was not bold, and my other issue in it was that I had no training in photography and my stuff sucked. I just didn't realize it until I was around 30, you know, my stuff <laughs> yeah. in my twenties was like a, like I was like going out there with a shitload of passion and I
1: did just didn't have the skill level. Yeah. I, I think that's, I think I want to press you on that. Cause I think that's an important piece to talk about. Cause I think people assume like I have to be naturally gifted and blessed to start. And I always want to be like, Everyone starts out a beginner. That's total yeah. bullshit. <laughs> oh yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. So maybe it's worth pressing you on that one. Talking about you know, how did you start? I mean, again, maybe maybe it takes a little delusional confidence to be honest, but about starting where you're at. Well, I think you're, I think
2: I love that. Con, I love that term delusional confidence,
1: you know, I mean, yeah.
2: because that's the thing that makes you get up despite not having the rent money. Right. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> and, and um, yeah, I, you know, sometimes I, you know, I have to say, I, you know, cause you've written a book that is about lessons. And I think what most people will come away with when they see this kind of, let's say if it, if it lives in that self-help world, right. Like of, Mm -hmm. of, um, is that this is the, this is the apex. It's the end. It's the thing that, and so I was thinking last night as I was listening to one of these like militarized master your mind books, I was like, Holy shit. I cannot handle this. I am so not ready to master my mind right now. I just want to kind of feel my way through it. And I think that that's kind of honoring where I'm at too. Like, so, you know, what do you say to that point about, you know, delusional confidence to and and, and failure, like for a creative, right? Like, what, do you feel like you had failures or do you yes. feel Like, like,
1: okay, so talk about a failure. Mm. I'll no say that life has been an easy cruise. Nothing to talk about. Talk to you guys. <laughs> now I write books. <laughs> and so. It just went from better to better to better. That's my life story. Uh, no, of course you have incredibly painful failures and crash and burn. I mean, and that's, I, I mean, there's this great concept in Buddhism of the beginner's mind, which, you know, the concept is, I think you probably know it, but it's basically like, if if you think you're an expert, you're done learning. You've cut yourself off. I got it. I'm an expert. There's nothing more to learn. If you have the beginner's mind, then you're you're in a, the mindset to learn. So I'm very careful in the book, whatever that I'm doing, to be like, I'm not presenting myself as an expert. I'm trying to present myself as a good student. And these are just a student's notes, and I'm sure I have a lot more to learn. Um, so it's almost like I think you start out thinking you're an expert, and then you uh, the deeper you get in to almost anything I find, you maybe you start to meet the real experts and you realize where you're at. And that's very humbling, but very educational. And you, and again, just remembering where you can't, I think once you think you're the expert, you're done. There's no more learning. Right. So I'm never the expert. I'm always the student. I don't know. I don't think Ed under and Ed knows mm-hmm. that how much I've leaned on you
2: personally. As a, you you happen to be a personal friend, and, and Ed is a personal friend. Both of you have made a large impact. You're both experts on living life to me, by the way.
1: Yeah, well, and thank have, you I'll
2: Take
0: I have, it. I have to give you. Uh, I if mean, you ask my wife that, she would say I'm not an expert <laughs> living life. doesn't <laughs> yeah. better. I'm telling you, it's my reality. All right,
2: and um. You know, it's 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 a it's good to hear that. I think I don't I, I really don't want to under um undervalue or just misunder let, let let our let our audience really understand that, you know, we talk about this and we hear about these things about struggling and 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 and, get, and getting back up and struggling and getting back up. I re- that's the whole game. That's the it's entire good. fucking game. And so important to just get up, learn the lesson, dust off all the the, you know, the irrelevant stuff and, 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 you know, take the nuggets of, of, of knowledge and goal that you took with you to move forward, you know? Um,
1: and if it wasn't, I, cause I mean, I know a bit of your story, Layden, a bit of your struggles. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you this very sincerely.
0: Sure.
1: If, if it wasn't hard, would you still want to do it? Layden would say yes, I think.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I
2: don't know how else to do it. Do you know what I mean? It is so right.
0: Me now I think Layton work. is a little bit addicted to doing it that way. We're trying to get him out of that. <laughs> Here's my co- my it, coach yeah. has
2: arrived. My coach has yeah, arrived. Yeah, our coach <laughs> has arrived. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: well, you know, I, I think that yeah. there are patterns. I think that like like you know, there's there's there are patterns, and we're all trying to break those ones that are can become completely unnecessary, hold us back, but they do. They they're like friendships. These patterns. Yeah. And you have to be ready to go. Bye. Thank you. You know, I I would actually call it grieving, the
0: the the friendship mm-hmm. that has to go, you know, or right. and, put the bed. And our conversations are in the context of friendship. I haven't coached Layton for five years, you know, except uh, <laughs> when he says he said, hey, put on your coaching hat right now. <laughs> <you
1: know?
0: laughs> I'm having feelings. <laughs> right. And uh and, yeah. and people tend just to go to the place that they're most comfortable at. Whether you know, me, and it's not better me. I have probably an over extension of uh, endorphins, so I go to this happy place. That's just my go to place. But it doesn't mean it's better or worse. And and even in that realm, you leave stuff on the table if you just go to one place. You know, mm. what do you mean by that? Ed? So we leave something on the table.
2: What what does that mean?
0: At least, you know, well, you're leaving, sometimes you're leaving those things that are really sad and not acknowledging them or, you know, grieving. You know, I sometimes have a problem just acknowledging grief, grieving things. Like, okay, my life's about moving on. Like, if you don't move on, you're just going to stop. And because that's, you know, it's the life of a photographer and freelance. Sometimes when things happen that aren't so happy, or involved your endorphins, they involved other things that I will tend to just like, okay, let's grieve for three days. You know, for instance, when I was paralyzed or when I had spinal meningitis and facial paralysis, like I grieved it for like three days and it was yeah. like, okay, now we're moving on. That's it, but the, and, you, you thought you grieved it for three days. Is that what you're trying to right. tell me? Or like, exactly. or you were like, I thought yeah. I grieved it. Right. And then it comes back. You know, then it comes back years later when you actually get a chance to grieve it. So being in this happy zone all the time, what I leave on the table is sometimes just authenticity of grieving. Mm, Yeah. You know, grieving in a way that lets me get complete about it. Yeah, we
2: talk about that. We talked about that in in, in our conversations about getting complete on an on something where it does, we don't complete is not the end of something. Getting complete, is, yeah, yeah, it's just uh, well, it's, uh, well, it's well, fully well, yeah. fleshed well, okay. out and understood within the body and this in the spirit.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I think you well, often well, find little. I I know I often find I was I cleaned out a storage locker last night and I found some little fools of grief that I thought I had fully processed and it turns <laughs> out they're 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 still in there. So it's definitely not a not a straight line. But I I appreciate the note of giving yourself this space to make sure. You are grieving and not just saving it all for later.
0: Right, 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 right. But, but, but yeah. my point is we all have this place, our natural place to go to. Yes, absolutely. Tra- I would, and- I could,
2: may, I, may I say that our trained place? For me, I feel like it's a trained place. Yeah, I it's, t- yeah, natural. it's like, like a natural, habit, natural, you know? natural, yeah, habits. Habits to me are trained.
1: You know? but I also think you said something interesting because you said, you know, almost Layden wouldn't want to do it if it wasn't hard. and And that to me is like, someone who and i relate to this by the way your your comfort zone is discomfort like there is a comfortable discomfort um in, in that well we have this conversation yeah,
0: well, yeah we, we well, have what do you <laughs> come <coming laughs> over <laughs> to tell the truth today
1: like, you yeah, know what i mean yeah
2: i, I wanted yeah. you to like fake it until you make it or something
0: but i'm still don't
1: right we can keep, keep going <laughs> warm, yeah
0: no i had this conversation with blade before he said hey listen you like you know there's a part of you that is that if it's not hard it's not part of who you know your natural way of being so working on making it easier is not as easy right would yeah, you say you 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 you're absolutely right i don't i, I think i get because out of your comfort zone well, as I, be, Daryl you know,
2: said. I have you know listen i grew up you know i used to think that we were because we were fed and we went to school and, and 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 our house didn't burn down that i was from a rich family but the fact is i grew up from a poor immigrant family so you know i think i become unfooted I literally, like the earth starts to feel like, what, what's happening? Why are we like, why is there a four five course meal being served to me? And who is this guy handing it to me? You know what I mean? So I, there is, there's sometimes I have to breathe sometimes through, through abundance, if that makes any mm-hmm. sense. It's kind of like, I'm not accustomed to it. I'm accustomed to doing things in a particular way um especially in when being served or 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 access to spaces and now i i i, I navigate the interior de, de design and architecture space which can be kind of elitist sometimes and very mm-hmm. uh, uh, past system like you know so you know it's 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 a it's a space where i've had to get comfortable at different stages of my own career like, you know, kind of navigating those spaces. But I do want to come back to something that I thought was interesting. We're three men discussing grief and um, Ed would, would would say or did say that it could take, you know, three days, the spinal meningitis, I'm done. Do you think, I mean, I don't know how, if any of either of you think that that's different because you're, you know, this is an opportunity to be, get vulnerable, like about being a man and what's what's necessary for a man, or what we think is necessary for a man to survive
1: this world. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh toxic masculinity is one of my favorite topics. So, absolutely, no. I I think, and I I haven't mastered this as well. So it's sort of like I can intellectualize it, but I don't know that I'm there. You know, yeah. We live in a world that I think still tells men you're supposed to be the strong one, and you're supposed to be tough and you know it's okay to yell and scream and be violent that's all fine but it's not okay to you know cry and mourn and talk about loss it's certainly not attractive if you like to get a partner you know i have all that crap swimming around in my head you know i still have trouble mourning publicly i've gotten much much better at mourning privately that's a huge breakthrough to me i'm not Mm -hmm. very good at doing it doing it publicly like Hmm, with other people
0: my my wife's sister Susie passed away about uh, like six or seven months ago. maybe July, it's right eight months ago. What July? And what's that? Wasn't it July? So what's that? It was July, Ed. I believe. No, July. I would say you know better than I do. I thought. So, I think it is. She, right. Yeah. So she passed away. Well, time when you're grieving is is really interesting. But my wife Lauren is really amazing at showing her grief, you know, it's something she does really well. So rather than be me, which was not going to be really helpful, let's move on, honey. You know, is I just sort of her letter take the lead in grieving. and I just sort of followed. Yeah. That's how I learned about grieving a little better. And then brought up stuff about, you know, when I was paralyzed and, you know, um, and that life was going to change forever. So. I just let her lead on it, and I realized I learned so much rather than thinking I knew the answer, mm-hmm. which I uh, which I think I'm pretty good at doing sometimes, which really is like my fall <laughs> yeah. back in life, you know.
2: Um, during those deep dives, they you know? As we, because I kind of, I I mean, I would love one day to say, Daryl. Let's go diving, and I and I take and you take me along, because um, I would need you to take me along.
1: Okay, I I'd love to bring you, but go yeah. on.
2: So so like, wait, 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 did you did um, in those states, are you able to? Did did you find? I mean, we talked about intoxication, and that's one uh, translation of it. In those in those in those spaces, when you would come up against you know life's creatures an octopus, a jellyfish, a crab, a fish, a school of fish. I mean, what? What? I, I mean, like what? I can't imagine because I've only seen the Jacuzo's and the, and the National Geographics. I mean, what is that stuff like? I mean, it, what, does it feel like you said it's like another planet, but I just want to know like the beauty of it. Like, it, could you describe like the beauty of it?
1: yeah i mean i've 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 been very lucky to have some a few of those moments that are really you know magical i mean i i when I got into diving, I was at a really kind of low bottom of my life, and I had a very dark view of the world at the time um and I did this thing, and I remember, and I'd been in this kind of really bleak abyss for a while, and I remember at the end of a dive, you have to do what's called a safety stop where you just hang out, you just have to hold still. Um, as you come up. And I was doing that. And I had this moment as I looked around, and I was like, Oh, right, life can be amazing. I had forgotten that for a long time. I just forgotten that there was I the, the world I was living in just looked like shit in every direction. I was in a very dark place. And I abruptly remembered that life can be amazing. And it's probably some of the high I still chase, and I've had that moment. Several times in diving, there's other examples I can think of. I I once saw um, a whale mother and calf, and like it was a magical experience. Like how often does that happen? Um, uh, I've done a few whale experiences. I've had moments in a in a cave where you kind of you're swimming through these these cave systems, and you see a big giant rock on the ground, and you kind of realize that rock used to be on the ceiling, but thousands of years ago it fell from the ceiling to the ground. And then I have this moment of, well, that's going to happen again at some point. I'm not sure if today is the day, but one of these days it's going to happen. And if today happens to be that day, I'm done. That's it. And you remember your mortality. And I know that sounds bleak, but to me, that's inspiring. Like there's something, you know, this is like a very stoic concept of like, remember, you're going to die. That's an inspiring thing, you know? So I think it's a nice reminder of mortality, which I mean that in a positive way.
2: Yeah. Of course.
0: T- well, Brutality like in, <clears throat> in a in lot of ways in a lot of ways it's a practice.
1: It's very much a practice, absolutely. I mean, I'm not sure. What do you mean by practice? Guy, I, I think I could go a few ways with that one.
0: Well, a practice in that sort of like yoga is a practice, a practice in how you know to make you feel better on a particular day or you know, knowing that you're gonna feel the top the the best you're gonna feel
1: and like yeah absolutely you're right it's a very much a mental practice you're also like when as you get into more advanced diving like one of the first rules is you're not allowed to panic you're just not allowed because it's rarely ever the presenting problem that gets divers killed it's panicking about the problem so whatever you have an air leak you can't see none of those things are going to kill you panicking about it will kill you so you're just not allowed to panic. So you train your mind that, okay, panic's no longer an option. And once you can train yourself that way, that's like a, a game-changing mental state to have in or out of the water. Absolutely. No, the,
0: yeah. Oh, when I I used to work in Yosemite National Park as a, yeah. at a backpacking camp. And the one thing they said, when you're backpacking, if the bear comes close to you while you're putting the food up in the tree, don't run. You know, just mm-hmm. don't freak out. So I'm in Yosemite. I'm like 20 years old working. And the guy who trained me is we're taking 10 kids backpacking. And we get, we're get we backpacking late at night because we got a little lost. And now here's a bear I'm pushing the food up into the tree while he's pulling the rope to get it. So the bear can't reach the food. And the bear is like right next to me. And I run, which they tell you don't mm-hmm. run. Right. right. So I ran for my life, and I ran past the guy who trained me who started running with me, and sure. he said, why are you running? He got really upset. He said, why are you following me? Yeah.
1: <laughs> did, 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 wait, did, did, you didn't finish this. Did, did the bear catch anyone? You got to finish the end of the story. No, the, <laughs> bear,
0: the bear ripped open the bag. We chased the bear okay. away. Right, got right. some, the bear got some food.
1: All right, I guess I should have. Why do we go to these places? I mean, the question
2: is like, why do we go to these places when there's so much danger? <laughs> you know, for a kid from a kid from East New York, Brooklyn, I'm like, like, mm. well, why, why do I need to be a, possibly attacked by a bear having a good time? You know, um, but I, I know, I know that the, the Yosemite is a beautiful is a beautiful place. And no, listen,
0: and, I grew, grew up in a, in a I grew up in a thousand square foot apartment, oh, in. Uh, with six, with five, sometimes six people, my grandmother used to stay with us, and so going to Yosemite was like the opposite experience. And I had never left really New York, Connecticut, New Jersey until I was four, 14 to go send my sister to college at Penn State. So going to Yosemite was like, oh my God, another planet, another planet, another planet. Yeah, it was yeah. like it was like it was like diving a little bit.
1: I think absolutely.
0: Yeah I mean I think
2: I think what we uh, what I know is true for myself and I was I, I, I was joking about why would we go to dangerous places or is awe like I, I remember someone asking me once in an interview like what about architecture what is the feeling you get when you come in contact with great pieces of architecture and I said it's exactly like being at the base of a mountain it's awe
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Right, like the the greatness of something far greater than myself, and the the majesty, the majestic quality of nature, can I mean that's what we try to emulate in design and architecture actually. So um, and you do a great job with that. Th- thank you very much. Um, mm-hmm. I um, so um, in these like as we start to um, Ed, if it's okay, like I'm queuing to wind us down a little bit. Like I would love yeah, for yeah. to to have this opportunity to, to 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 give us some some key points on and or 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 lessons from life lessons learned diving its called life lessons learned diving like what are like some key lessons um you learned and what would what what's the takeaway that you'd like to highlight
1: uh i mean i got i could obviously talk about many lessons cuz i wrote the whole book on this topic but let me try to pick <laughs> a few for the interest of time i'll try to uh you know Pluck out, pluck out a few, few gems. I mean, I, I, so we talked about you know getting comfortable being uncomfortable, right? I think that was the topic earlier that I want to talk about, like because a lot of times people, when you talk about diving, it scares the shit out of them. And my answer is, it's supposed to. You should be as comfortable underwater as a fish is out of water. Have you seen a fish out of water? That's right. you in the water, right? Like it's not, it's not your natural habitat. It's not supposed to be comfortable. Um, but if you stick with it long enough. Your brain at some point kind of realizes, oh, I'm not going to die. And you get progressively more comfortable. I think that is exactly what we're talking about in our art, right? Like being get uncomfortable. At some point, you'll probably realize I'm not going to die. And you're going to have to keep pushing your discomfort point to keep growing. Because what was uncomfortable yesterday is not going to be uncomfortable tomorrow. So I can keep going. Stuff like that. There's a lot of them.
0: Oh no! Keep another one. That was good. No, no, no you're you <laughs> doing good.
1: That was amazing. I'm doing good. Yeah, 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 all right. yeah, I'm, I'm pulling it out so I can uh, get other ones. Um, oh, this. Okay. In so in cave dive in cave diving, you put arrows on the line, and the, the point of an arrow is that if you're blind and had to get your way out, you could feel where the arrow goes, so you would know which direction is home, and it is a painfully simple concept. Um, and the way I equate this to life is let's not confuse simple with easy. I think people often hear simple and assume that means easy. You know, a lot of these things we're talking about are pretty simple. Stay calm, breathe, don't panic, call your mother, eat healthy, exercise. Those are all incredibly simple. None of them are easy. Um, and, I think, and I think a lot of that is is really true of like make it as simple as you can, but don't don't confuse that with easy.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: It's sort of like,
0: you know, one thing I always talk about is the difference between happiness and joy. Mm -hmm. You know, joy isn't always easy, but happiness is like, you know, something great happened. It was fun. You saw this, but with joy, it's the thing you love doing the most. And it's not always easy.
1: Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And it's uh, yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think people, I, you know, this is a whole other podcast maybe, but I think people have a very poor definition of society has like a very confused definition of happiness, for lack of a better term, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. it's sort of a hedonistic definition. And I think it makes a lot of people miserable because they're not even aiming at a target that's going to work. And I agree, like, the right. you know, there's better targets. I the,
2: purpose, I, I, I think of Joseph Campbell yeah. and and mm-hmm. his definition of uh, you know life of uh, is is a series of what, what is his Buddhist his Buddhist take is life is pain with moments
0: of bliss.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That, that's yeah. what yeah.
0: Joseph Campbell would say. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay, so here you wrote this book. Yeah. What were the life lessons in starting writing a book?
1: Um. Well. That's a whole nother book, I guess. Um, yeah. (laughs) The book, well, the book started as literally notes to myself because, you know, I love diving and as Layda knows, I love psychology. So it was just interesting to me when some of these concepts overlap. So I was just keeping notes for myself. Um, but as soon as it became something that I might share with other people, you know, that, that was really, really game changing. Um, I don't, I don't feel like I have a good tight answer for this one. We might edit this one out. Oh, yeah.
2: Did you feel like it was a little vulnerable, like sharing? Like, if, when I, it's very interesting. Yes. I can feel very, 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 uh, the word vulnerable doesn't exactly kind of aggregate or encapsulate. When you put yourself out there, and I think that's so important yes. to our audience. What 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 was it like when you when it was printed? That smash, that that fresh mm-hmm. ink smell. All the words were accurate. You had vetted it and edited. How did that feel?
1: Yeah, so absolutely, writing the book was extremely vulnerable. I debated putting my name on it versus doing it anonymously. To be honest, because it is so different than my professional world, and I have written other things anonymously before. That I think I was at a point in my life that I was like, you know what? I'm going to put my name on it. I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm going to put this thing out there that absolutely, you know, scares me and terrifies me. And I'm even this to me, like going on a podcast and talking about it is is scary and terrifying. Um, and that vulnerability became part of the point. I mean, I think we, we had this theme in the beginning of, you know, the work you do for yourself and the work you do for others. And I don't think it's black and white. Those are always mixed. But this is very yeah, much so that's that's a, absolutely me. true it's
0: never it's
1: mixed that's a great point you know it's never just one thing absolutely but this one on the spectrum was a little more or a lot more for myself than you know other people uh in terms of like it's really niche you know it's if i wanted to make a book for money i would have aimed for a much wider market and this is niche so just giving myself permission to write the book i wanted to write knowing that my audience was probably a relatively small slice um, is like a gift to myself.
0: Yeah, nice. Mm-hmm. And, but in writing it, to, were you writing to get people to see if they might take up diving and learn their own lessons? Or were you just writing it as a, a tome to the things you had gone through and just what you said, sort of deal with your vulnerability?
1: Yeah, I mean, again, I was literally, I literally wrote it at first for myself. These were notes to myself, and then I I did evolve from there. Um, And I don't know that I wanted to convince anyone to go diving, although I would certainly love if someone told me that happened. I think I just, you know, wanted to share these little nuggets that I thought were helpful, and I, I hope are helpful to others in and out of the water. I mean, some of this stuff is kind of heavy and deep, so I, to me, a little bit, the diving was a little bit of the the sugar that can make some of the medicine go down more easily. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, you certainly inspire me. I think um, when you talk about going to another planet, I, I do, I do want to just officially say, I think, we, I think we know a little bit more about space. If I understood, if I understood the, the, the sound bites correctly, we, I think we might know a little bit more about our galaxy than we might know about what's happening under two-thirds of our planet right yeah, I, that's what i that's what i remember hearing and understanding so um i could only imagine the worlds that exist there in the darkness and in the light um yeah uh i, I find it very inspiring you've always inspired me around the, around the diving and i definitely do want to i don't swim very well
1: like <laughs> we it's but we we, t- we said start where you're at so we'll you gotta start where you're, gotta where you're
2: at so um yeah so um uh, that is, uh but but you know, interestingly enough, the surface, and in, in, you know, and I'll say, and and I'll wrap
0: up here. The surface for me is more scary than under it.
2: Interestingly enough, for me personally, it's the waves. It's the it's kind of like that in between space. Actually,
1: mm-hmm.
2: it, for me, is is it's like skimming the surface, you know. When I when I when I dive underneath in a pool or you know when I have had the opportunity in a in, in the ocean, um, there's calm there up there <laughs> where the air meets mm-hmm. the water for me is where the where all the it's like turbulence.
1: I I feel more calm below than I do at the surface. Absolutely, Personally. yeah. So oh. I
2: I think that's something yeah. to take away to to for 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 our listeners to think about.
0: Yeah, I'm sure that. I'm sure we could do another podcast just on breathing, you know, what, what breathing is like under there.
1: Absolutely. Uh,
0: so, uh, we'll save that for another time,
1: though.
0: Absolutely. But, I have one more question before we wrap up. What do you hear
1: there? Underwater. So, yeah, I mean, um, you'd be surprised. It's very peaceful, but you hear. So if you're on scuba, you, you hear your own bubbles. Um, if you're on what's called a rebreather, you, there are no bubbles, but you hear that. You hear nature. You can hear the boat. I've been on boats where they play music underwater. You hear a lot more than you think. You there's there's a whole different auditory world going on. Wow, wow! Well, I might listen to this podcast during the next dive. <laughs> <laughs> now, can you can you listen to a podcast underwater? There are. I mean, I don't know that it's particularly popular in the world of diving, but there is such thing as underwater headphones. That is an option. There is. So you could listen to. The Grateful Dead or or a- been, I don't know Aggie why I Rogers. thought of Enya. I don't know why I thought of Enya. What are you- <laughs> I've been on some some well, boats, some some dive boats drop an underwater speaker and, and yeah, sometimes they'll play incredibly dramatic music. So and I've you had that Yeah, yeah. You think they they'll play music underwater. The first I thought I was they call it narked when you're like, you know, really out of your mind. The first time I was ever on a boat and I heard a song playing, I was like, oh no, I'm narked. And then like, no, the boat actually was playing music in that case. <laughs> <laughs> if the fish talked to you. Psychedelic-
0: I want to hear psychedelic music when I'm underwater, I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's doable.
0: Absolutely. Well, listen. Wow, it is is doable. I never knew. I, no, yeah. we did
2: not know that they have now gimmicked up the underwater <laughs> as well. <Right. laughs> Which yeah. I th- I think that um I, I'm gonna take a puritan- puritanical approach on this. I want to hear what's down there.
1: I'm gonna first say
2: that and I do not need to hear Beethoven or yeah. anything in order to make my underwater experience more more um complex mm-hmm. than it already probably is, you know. Um, I, yeah.
1: yeah. So Daryl, where do we where do we find your book? and uh, yeah yeah no the, the book is on amazon you can look up life lessons learn diving on amazon and find it there
0: excellent and is there any other thing you're any other websites you you have your own you can, personal website or
1: yeah you can find me on life lessons diving.com okay
0: how about you Layden?
2: I am Layden Lewis. I'm an interior designer and I'm Layden Lewis Design Studio. And you can find me on Layden Lewis, L-E-Y-D-E-N-L-E-W-I-S.com.
0: And this episode probably won't be out for a month. By then, Layden will have been in Architectural Digest. So we will, and we're going to do an episode about that. Um, I'm Ed Letterman. I've been a photographer. So you go to Ed Letterman Photo dot com that's l-e-d-e-r-m-a-n not l-e-t-t-e-r-m-a-n and you go to ed letterman coaching for and i only coach creatives and it's been an amazing amazing um experience and sort of led me to do want to do the podcast so and the idea for the podcast came from writing down ideas every day, and this is one that's one of the ideas that stuck. Yeah, absolutely. So, and he, so, and he any, anything? He any last words? Any last yeah. word, Daryl? No, yeah, Thanks for
1: having me on. This is a lot of fun. Yeah, this is great. Excellent. Okay. All right. Hit, I'm gonna stop button. I'm gonna
0: stop recording and. Um, sound editing and theme music by Will Ainsley. Brian Rezepka was basically our mentor who really taught us all the technicals, showed us how to get this online. We would not be here without Brian, so thank you, Brian. The logo is by Layden Lewis and Sharon McLaughlin of Mermaid New York City. And um, if you're creative, we would love to hear from you. We would love to to email us your story. And if we like it, we would love to have you on. Uh, We are looking for creatives to tell their story, what their challenges are, what they love about working in the creative field, what is working for them. Um, So until next time, I hope you guys listen. This podcast is for you. Thanks.